Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie Uptown. So happy to be here with you today. It is a beautiful Monday. Let's go, right? Hey, the music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. John McLaughlin. Make sure you grab a copy of his most recent album, Angst and Grace. It's so, so good. Now, today on the show is our second in the history of the pod. I think this is our second Olympic athlete with Sean Johnson being the first. If I'm wrong, tell me on the internet, but I'm pretty sure that this is our second Olympic athlete. Ryan Hall is the American record holder for the half marathon. He ran a half marathon in 59 minutes and 43 seconds and has the fastest marathon time ever run by an American at two hours and four minutes and 58 seconds. He represented the United States in the 2008 and the 2012 Olympic Games and the marathon. He has a new book out called Run the Mile You're In. One of my dear friends, Heather, is a huge runner, huge fan of Ryan's. And as soon as she saw his book on my desk, said, you have got to have him on the podcast. And I said, okay, Heather, I will do what you say. And so today on the podcast, my new friend, who I am a huge fan of now, and you think you're going to love this conversation with author and marathoner and the fastest American half marathoner, Ryan Hall. Tom Dean, that is yeah. your marketing guy. Yeah, yeah. Isn't he the best? He is. He's great. Yeah, he's he's a big reason why I even wrote this book to begin with. Really? So, yeah. Okay, tell me that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. This is like so, a setup for pitching Tom Dean. I just <laughs> love the guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, so he emailed me like maybe 10 years ago being like, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? Like I'm a runner. I'm also work, work at Zondervan. So I started a book like over and over and over again. Like yeah. I had like 10 drafts on my email. Yeah. But never got through like the first couple chapters. You yeah. Because it just didn't feel like it was the time like my story felt like it was still in the telling and uh, so after I retired he reached back out and then I ran the world marathon challenge which was seven marathons seven days seven continents which there's a couple chapters in the book about that, that. is yeah we're talking about that because <laughs> that's so insane yeah but, yeah that was that's that was crazy yeah um so, but anyways after that last marathon in Sydney is kind of when I felt like a real sense of closure to that season of my life uh, and I was no longer going to be about like just trying to maximize my potential as a runner I was going to move into this next season of being a you know being a dad is actually a new season for me even though yeah. I instantly went into a dad of four which is another kind of <laughs> yeah story we're gonna we go into. there <laughs> we're giving a lot of teasers we're either, I was gonna say, we're either gonna get to talk about all this or you're gonna <laughs> books are gonna fly off the shelf let's hope both yeah let's keep them in suspense yeah we that's right talk about that's right <laughs> <laughs> so after that last marathon i went home and um got back in touch with tom and then started working on the manuscript and just this time I didn't get stuck, you yeah. know, like I would just get up every morning, 5 a.m., cup of coffee. And I was, my mantra is like, nothing can stop me at 5 a.m. Because I was a dad okay. of four and a right. coach and I have a lot of stuff going on. But 5 a.m., there's never anything going on. Yeah. So I just got up early and I'd write for an hour or two every day. I did that for three months or so and, and the book was done and and it just kind you of You wrote a book in three months? Well, I, that was the first That's first impressive. Yeah. That is a good, hey, if you can get it out in three months, yeah, anybody it, can fix it. Right, yeah. We had to go through a couple edits sure. and the Mine editors too, did bud. a great job with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the, but you already have one other book out. Yes. So when did you write that one? So Running with Joy, Running with Joy I wrote, yeah. I believe it's 2010. I should know that. Off. I should tell, tell you. <laughs> yeah, Hold tell on. Me, tell me when it is. Was it Ryan, Running with Joy came out, it was copywritten in 2011, but I bet you wrote it in 2010. Yeah. So you were right. Yeah. So uh, it was leading up to the 2010 Boston Marathon, uh -huh. and that book's a little bit different. It's more like Oh, it's what telling I did me how to my run. Yeah, yeah, it's like a training journal that I kept essentially and then published. Brilliant. But, <laughs> but I wrote like more than just what I was physically doing. Uh -huh. I more got into like what was going on in my head and my heart as I'm going through this process. So you get to kind of walk through my experience of, of training for one of the biggest marathons in the world and, and the thoughts and the things are going on in my heart every single day. Yeah. Okay. So then really run the mile you're in was the first book you wrote as like, this is my story. Right. Yeah. Versus, yeah. Okay. How did Tom Dean know you were a man of faith already? Yeah. So Tom read an article in Runner's World that came out, I believe is around the Beijing Olympics. And they did a really nice piece on me featuring my running, but also like how my faith plays into that. And yeah. so I think it was after he read that article that he was like, oh man, this guy should, should write a book for us. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you know about God as a marathon runner that I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
Man, I think God is okay with us going through hard times, you know? Mm. Like, I, you probably already know that. That's probably not. No, no, no. But, I, I assume I don't. Keep going. <laughs> so, like, the thing with marathon running is, and what I tell people, is really, like, my job is being a professional pain manager. So, oh, you're wow. out there, and you're just trying to tap into everything you have inside you to get you to that finish line as fast as you can. So, there's all these different tricks and mind games that you play. But um, one thing— the big lesson I learned, which I wrote about in the book, is how do you endure suffering well? And how do yeah. you get the most out of yourself when your whole body is screaming at you and everything is on fire, everything is hurting, you still have 10K of running to go at the end of a marathon. So he taught me a lot about how to endure suffering. And a big thing that I, probably the biggest takeaway on how to endure suffering for me is looking to Jesus and seeing like he endured the cross for the joy set before him. Mm -hmm. And so like, what can I find that's outside of myself that I can look at and be filled with joy and have that joy be what sustains me through that struggle. So for me to make that real and tangible, like I would think about my wife who I loved, or I'd think about my family who is watching the race on television. I just, anything I could do to get outside myself. Because what happens in running is you start to hurt and then you become mentally aware that you're hurting. And then your awareness just continues to grow and grow and grow. And pretty soon you're just so self-focused and so focused on yeah, your Yeah, I'm with pain. you on this, so this far. I do all this. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> That, then I quit and you keep <laughs> running for another marathon. Well, that that's when you have to like reach outside yourself, you know, and that's that's what I had to learn to do. So it, I would I also ran for we have a foundation, the Hall Steps Foundation. Yeah. We do work to like alleviate uh, poverty all over the world. And so that was a big reason why I was running. So in those very tough moments, I had to think about things that was bigger than me that I was running for because you're right. Like if it is just for you, like it's it's not worth the suffering. But when you're doing it with someone else or for someone else, it is. Okay. If it's just for you, it's not worth the suffering. That's like, you can preach that right <laughs> off. Well, that could be a message if well, you're that, just doing it for you. That was my life story, you know, and that's why, you know, I wrote a whole book going through all the major life lessons I learned that running and God taught me along the way. And there's uh -huh. so much growth. Like I was just sharing with a group of runners last night, one, one of the biggest breakthroughs I'm most proud of that no one else even knows about, you know, like, yeah, going to the Olympics, say American records, that's all great. But the thing that I'm- Oh my like, gosh, casual, casual, <laughs> Olympics, American records, fine. Fine, fine. Yeah. But the thing that I'm most excited about myself was going from a kid who was 13 years old playing baseball and I'd strike out and I'd start crying afterwards because I was feeling so much pressure on myself. And yeah. when I would fail in sports, I would take it very personally. Now, fast forward 20 years later, after having traveled this road and all the things God taught me, I did this fun challenge because I got into weightlifting after retiring from pro running. I did this fun challenge where like, how many times can I bench press my PR in the marathon? So yeah. I put 204 pounds on the bar and oh see gosh. how many reps I could do. And my goal was to get to 20 reps. And I was filming it just for Instagram, just something fun to put. Post, you know, influencer and, stuff. I yeah, got you. Yeah. yeah. And so I get to the top, I get on the rep 19, and I get like literally, I'm like an inch away from locking out my elbows and getting it. And like, there's just nothing else there, you know? And so it falls back down on my, I have safeties on the side, so yeah. I kill myself. Yeah, I was about to say, it broke all my ribs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, I've, I've made that mistake before. So yeah, I've learned yeah, yeah. to have the safeties. But, you know, I put it down and I immediately, without even thinking about it, just started laughing. Like, yeah. I just thought it was like so funny that like I could get so close and fail at yeah. something. And I was like, man, I have come so far from my 13-year-old self who'd cry after I'd strike out yeah. to, um, you know, a more, a better version of myself that could could fail at something and, and have laughing be the response. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad that I traveled this road and was able to learn all these things that allowed me to get to this point where I can actually enjoy sports and I can enjoy failing even yeah. and enjoy the process. And it's not about results. It's about just the simple act of doing whatever I'm doing, whether it's weightlifting or running or whatever I'm It's into. like you've just uh, kind of embraced. I, I don't mean embrace in like a fancy way. I mean like literally hugged perseverance. Like yeah. you've just decided that is a coworker, not an enemy. Yeah. Well, one thing I've learned is like I enjoy suffering. And, you know, we talk about <laughs> okay. that a little bit. But like that's actually – and we, we talk about this with our kids all the time. Yeah. About how it's fun to push yourself. And I think that's why like running is such a huge sport in the U.S. You know, it's the biggest biggest sport in high school. It's, you know, we have thousands of people running all these marathons and half marathons. I think those people have discovered – 
that's actually fun to push yourself. Mm. And uh, that was something that grabbed me very early on when I was 13, getting into the sport on my first run, ran 15 miles around the lake with my dad, which I wrote about in the yeah, book. And I was kind of like it. my launching point, you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember just having a real profound sense of like, that was so fun to like push myself and discover like there's more, a lot more in me than I think. And you were, how old were you then? 13. 13. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, when I was reading about that, you say very clearly, I heard the Lord after that. And yeah. it kind of changed the course of my life. I know 13 year old boys <laughs> and I hung, I hung out with them in my life as a 13 year old Annie. What did God sound like to you then? Yeah, that's a great question because it's definitely one of those things where you reflect back on it and it's like, oh, that was totally God, you know, but it wasn't so like crystal clear at the time. You know, my relationship with God at that point was like read a chapter of the Bible once a day just so that I don't feel guilty for not reading the Bible. That's right, that's right. You know, saying a little prayer here and there, but that was pretty much the extent of it. It, There was no like conversation with God going on. And uh, really that moment is kind of the first time I feel like I encountered God in my life. And it was just, he took something that I hated to do. I did not like running. My dad, he always told me, he's like, you could be a great runner. Like he saw my talent potential. When you were doing baseball. Yeah, baseball and other sports. And when I was forced to run the mile in PE class, (laughs) I hated it. You're like, I'm going to go so fast and be done. And (laughs) they're like, that guy is real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would. I I would still like push myself and go hard, but I I did not enjoy running at all. So God took something that like, I previously hated to do and just planted this like seed of desire in my heart to try and run around the lake. And I, it just felt like totally out of left field, you know, like this is so crazy. Like why, why am I have the desire to do this at all? So that was kind of it, you know, it was just like, it's just like an inkling of like, yeah, let's try this, you know, but something that felt like very much like it was outside of myself. And I'm so glad that in my 13 year old self said yes to that. Yeah. Because if I didn't, the whole trajectory of my life would have completely been different. So, you know, if we have any parents yeah, or 13 that's what year I was gonna olds say, How old are the kids you're raising? How old are your kids? So my kids range from eight all the way up to 18. Okay. Yeah, four of them. So eight, 11, 14, and 18. Okay. So when you're raising them and you're talking to them about hearing God, how do you help them decipher a moment like that? Yeah, we, so we like to practice with our kids, yeah. you know? So one thing that I try to communicate very clearly that I learned on my journey, I, there was a point in my career where I stepped away from my professional running team, my professional coach, and I was in the prime of my career. And I went on this, I call it quote unquote, faith-based coaching, yeah. where I was just like leaning on God for wisdom on everything. Like literally like he was my coach and, yeah. and I, I was trying to hear him every single day. I just wanted to be desperate for God. Yeah. Um, but what I learned in that process is it's kind of like learning a foreign language. Like you kind of mm-hmm. have to fumble around with it for a while. And like, I thought that God was just gonna like down, like as soon as I put myself in a position where I had to hear from him, like he was just gonna like give me downloads of like workout sheets and the exact right, description right, right. of what I should do. Like, <laughs> like the perfect training plans. Yeah. Like if you're coached by God, you should have the I mean, perfect, that isn't yeah. the craziest thought. I'm kind of <laughs> with you on it. Yeah, but I mean, what he taught me right away with that was he was far more concerned about how I was doing things, how I was performing my workouts. He was more concerned about my heart than he was concerned about the logistics, the nuts and bolts of my workouts. So wow. I never felt like I had one workout that was just downloaded from heaven, you know, but I feel like he did speak a lot to me about my heart, but I'm kind of getting on a tangent. No, 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 this is great. This is what we do. This is friends talking. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. What I learned in that process is like, I made a lot of mistakes times where I thought I heard God and I like didn't get it right. Yeah. And that's just a part of the process. Like when you're learning a language, when you think about your kids when they're infants and they're just like babbling away, you can't understand a word they're saying for however long. I don't know. I've never had an infant actually. Yeah. um, That's part of the process, you know, is like you got to fumble around with it and you got to realize it's not going to be perfect and it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. So with our kids, we like to practice like sometimes at the dinner tables be like, all right, everyone give a word for Jasmine, our eight-year-old. Yeah. And then we just we just close our eyes. We ask God for a word of encouragement for her. And then we share the things that we feel like. Whatever comes to your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's, you know, that's the thing you got to kind of wrestle with it. You know, like it's, it's not going to be like something that, well, 
I guess it could be, but for myself personally, it wasn't something that was like instantly I was like so connected with God and like hearing everything perfectly. Like that, that has not been my experience. Mine either. Yeah. Okay. So now tell me, you went from zero kids to four kids and you never had an infant. What is this story? <laughs> yeah. I know. I love to tell people that uh, I have an 18-year-old daughter. Yeah. I'm 36. And yeah. I it look seems out. Young. The math seems, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seems hard. Like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we brought home our four daughters three and a half years ago, my wife and I. We uh, decided to adopt from Ethiopia. Okay. We were originally just going to adopt an infant. We were number like 76 on a waiting list. And then we had traveled a lot to Ethiopia, trained over there, and just fallen in love. Because your wife runs as well. Yeah. My yeah. wife's – yeah, sorry. We should have mentioned that. She's also a professional runner. No, still great. Still running professionally. Yeah. okay. So we had traveled and lived – or not lived, but trained in Ethiopia for months and months on end. So we just kind of fell in love with the people and the yeah. culture and everything. But something that always just like pulled on our hearts was being in Addis and seeing all these kids on the street with tattered clothes. And yeah. they come up and they ask me if they can shine my shoes. And I'm like – uh, what what hope does this kid have? You know, yeah. like this isn't right. And so, um, you know, I can't solve the problem by myself, but I can take a small step and do something, you yeah. know. And we've seen a lot of people stepping up and doing something. So um, we decided uh, to adopt from Ethiopia. And then we went and visited these orphanages. And we noticed there's all these older kids who are just waiting for families to step up and adopt them. And there was like, in my mind, is like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I'm waiting. I'm number 76 on a wait list. Yeah. And, you know, all these kids are waiting for families. And it was that face-to-face interaction with the kids that totally changed my heart. And I was like, man, I'd take any one of these kids home in a second, you know. And so we went home, changed all of our paperwork up, and then kind of shortly thereafter became aware of of, uh, four sisters that were looking for a home. They'd been looking for about three years and couldn't find a family for them. And they were uh, talking about, potentially splitting them up. So like two would go with a couple in one country, two with another couple in another country. Oh my gosh. You know, they'd probably never see each other again. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of five kids and for myself, like my my family's so, so important. I couldn't imagine being separated from my siblings at that yeah. age, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, at that time we started to consider it and I could just start to feel like love in my heart for, for the girls, you know? And it was, it's, still a growing process like adoption is i i don't know i've never had any biological children but from what i've read and understand it is a little bit different process where it's this growing attachment you know and you're kind of catching up on life and stuff but it's been such a blessing and our girls are they're doing so great and they've just filled our home with love and excitement and energy and dance parties and all the (laughs) stuff that comes with having so much more glitter than you probably had before (laughs) yeah yeah and movies yeah like yeah yeah so they've been with y'all three and a half years yeah three and a half years okay and uh, so who had them before that were they in an orphanage or were their parents yeah, still? Yeah, they were in an orphanage for okay. three years. Yeah, because they couldn't be with their parents. So they were actually in pretty rough physical shape getting out. Not not in the sense that they weren't unhealthy, but more that they weren't physically active at all. So the only place they had to play was like a little tiny driveway yeah. for three years. Yeah. You know, you can imagine what would happen in your body if you never got to go out and, yeah. and move and run and walk and do all things they'd previously been doing. So um, when we brought them home, it took some just gradual progressive steps to like take them from like being having severe kind of muscle atrophy and and being like for our older girls slightly overweight now because they in their culture like being larger is seen as like more healthy yeah. and better so you know they'd been eating very well which is good right, you know but right. maybe a little bit too far on the on the line yeah. in the extreme there and uh, they just had a lot of a lot of work to do physically but it's been so fun because my oldest daughter Hannah who's now 18 uh, three and a half years ago she couldn't run 400 meters around a track yeah but she loves to run and she just you know start with 400 meters yeah. and then just grew it out slowly 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 and is living a healthy lifestyle and now fast forward she's um state champion in arizona and no cross way. country yeah oh my God. and trying to trying to break five minutes for the mile this year as a junior in high school and you're and like raising really well. four little ethiopian runners <laughs> 
Well, we we try we're trying reverse psychology with the younger <laughs> two right now because they they are not uh, super interested in running. But I, I hated to run until I was thirteen, so I'm yeah. totally okay with that. Something I learned with my dad is like it's not good to push kids into something. Because my dad, I can imagine when he saw my talent, he must have been like, I just need to like make him run cross country. Yeah. And, and, and then he'll like start liking it and he'll thank me later down the line. Yeah. I'm so glad he didn't do that though. He just, he waited until the inspiration came from God and then it came from me. And then he partnered with me at, and yeah. he just went on the journey with me, coached me through high school. But he was very, very instrumental in, in my upbringing and getting into the sport. Besides the physical health of it, why do you want your girls to run? Well, I don't necessarily want my girls to run. Okay. Um, I want to kind of like, as I mentioned, like just go on the ride with them and whatever yeah. they're into. Yeah. Um, but it is different, right? It's like as a runner, when I'm at a track meet or a cross country meet watching Hana and I'm on the sidelines, I'm like going crazy, like cheering, <laughs> like super loud. And then I feel bad because then I go to a volleyball game, like a middle school volleyball yeah. game with with our second oldest. And you like, I'm I'm like, why am I just not that into this? <laughs> like I'm not like one of those crazy parents be like, oh, you know, going right. crazy for their kids. I'm just like politely like cheering, you know. Do people know who you are when you go to track meets? Like, are they like, well, Sometimes, of course he's yelling. That yeah. guy holds the world record for half <laughs> <Yeah>. marathon. <laughs> Sometimes they do, but um, my physique has changed quite a bit. So I've put on like 50 pounds since I retired from professional running. So um, the change is quite dramatic. Actually, yeah. one quick funny story is yeah. I was at the London Marathon with my wife and we're going up the elevator and there's a TV reporter who does all the commentating for marathons, like super famous commentator in our sport. And he knows me well, you know, yeah. he knows Sarah and he sees her in the elevator and we're starting to go up. And he's like, oh, Sarah, how you doing? And then he's like, is Ryan coming? And I was standing <laughs> right next to him, you know? And so I was like, right here, man. And he didn't even recognize me. You really? Know? So, yeah, there's been Yeah, because the picture of you on the cover of Running With Joy looks very different. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of a guy of extremes, you know? And so yeah. I, as a runner, I was five foot 10, 137 pounds when I was oh at my best racing weight. Yeah. And, uh, and, but I always wondered, like, what would it feel like to actually be strong? Because I was so muscularly weak. You know, you think, oh. like, oh, they must be strong. But no, like, even, like, squatting leg stuff, like, I wasn't strong at all. Super, super weak. And especially my upper body. Never did any upper body weights at all. Yeah. Um. So, But I always had that kind of bug in my ear, you know. Yeah. I was like, oh, what would it be like to be really strong and a little yeah. bigger, you know. So yeah. after I retired from running, I got into weightlifting. Like, Here we go. Yeah. We're getting yeah. swollen yeah. out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was so important for me to find a hobby like that that allowed me to keep being who I am. Mm. Because who I am is like like we've talked about already. I need physical challenge in my life. Yeah. And I need it like daily. Yeah. And so weightlifting is a really like nice way for me to meet that demand because it wasn't fun to do it anymore in running and my body was crashing and going downhill and not responding well so it's time to switch things up and yeah. weightlifting is the complete opposite activity is running you know running so catabolic like you run we run so much it just strips you down of everything you don't need except for what you need to run right. whereas weightlifting is totally anabolic and you know you're building your body up making it stronger and so are you continuing this is a science question I imagine that your heart and lungs were incredible strong as a runner. Yeah. Do you continue to work those muscles out too still? Not typically, but actually funny, just this morning before I came in here, I was doing a workout and I did my typical like one hour weight routine. And then there's some treadmills there that were open. I was like, eh, I wonder how fast I can run a mile right now. And like, <laughs> I hardly run at all to answer your question. Really? Like, I, I run maybe once a week, maybe that's like, I have stretches where I go like six weeks without running. Basically, I just run to like keep my wife company from yeah. time to time. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, is like today, like I got on the treadmill and this was the same is when I was a pro runner, you just start cranking the pace down. You're like, oh, let me just see what this feels like. Let yeah, me see. Yeah, yeah. And I ran like my last mile, like I just ran 10 minutes, you know, super short, but I ran like my last mile under 530 yeah. and without oh training God. at all. So it, it does kind of show you though, like, like there is a genetic component to choosing what sport you should be in yeah because you know? i'm not that way in the weight room when i first got in the weight room or even now if i stop lifting like i'm gonna get weak real quick um but i can just not run forever hop on a treadmill and, and run you know, a five minute mile yeah so 
there, there's a certainly a genetic component. But I think most people, though, and what I learned with weightlifting is like I can make a ton of ground in whatever I choose. But if I want to be great at something, my, I got to have the talent to, yeah. to do that as well. Yeah. Man, a five-minute mile just for kicks this morning. You know what? I'll just hop on this treadmill and see if I can do that. When you think about, like, when you decided to retire and your body was, you said, going downhill, and how did you know the right time? Because people are always wondering when they're supposed to leave something and when they're supposed to start something new. How did you know? What was the signs? Yeah, What were the signs? That is such a a struggle to to know when, you know? And I remember, so my wife and I, we lived in uh, Redding, California, went to Bethel Church. Oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love uh, Bethel. One of my pastors there, Eric Johnson, he he would say, uh, don't ever make any big decision in the wake of a huge, like, disappointment or catastrophe or tragedy that you've just experienced. Like, just allow yourself to get through that and then, like, wait till you get your perspective back before you, like— because I, I had this this tendency a lot in my career, like things would happen, and I'd react right away in the moment and make bad decisions, and yeah. Um, usually, yeah, was not not making the right call in those moments. Right. So I felt like it was really important for me to have a long period of time of trying everything I could think to try to turn my body around and uh, an experiment and and know like for sure like the season was over so it was a four-year stretch from the london olympics when i dropped out with the hamstring injury yeah. um, all the way up to training for the 2016 trials um where i was doing that i was trying everything i could think to try and nothing was turning the ship around and i remember being on an airplane uh at one point and looking out over the clouds and just having a conversation with god and i felt like he was telling me it's not meant to last forever And Mm. that was so what I needed to hear at that time because I just felt like a ton of like guilt and shame about like, I'm screwing this up right now. Like, what am I doing wrong? And I'm like hitting my head against the wall and so frustrated and just feel like every day is a battle, a struggle, you know? And I felt like you just being like, no, like actually like no one runs professionally their entire life. life. Like eventually like everyone slows down and this is is part of what it means to be human. Right. And so like – Yes, you might have made some mistakes, but like I felt like he was giving me the grace for to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And so that was a real kind of moment of healing for me when I knew like it just wasn't in the cards anymore. So I was looking back over the last four years and looking at the trajectory of my body, how I'd been responding to all the different things I'd been training, all the different methods I'd been training by. And it was just very, very clear that my body was telling me like, I've given you everything that I have to give yeah. you. There's nothing left. Yeah. Like it's time to give back to me now. And so yeah. thus, thus getting into the weightlifting and starting to give back to my body. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Ryan to tell you about our friends over at Prep Dish. Prep Dish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. And when you sign up, you'll receive an email every week with a grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. After only one to three hours of prepping on the weekend, you'll have all your meals ready for the entire week. It's a great time to listen to podcasts when you're prepping for your week's worth of food. And you'll save time and have amazingly delicious meals like smoky paprika chicken legs with a trio of roasted vegetables or that turkey and zucchini lasagna. In addition to the gluten-free and paleo meal plans, PrepDish is now offering, as of the new year, keto meal plans, which I think is awesome. If you've been curious about keto, try it out free for two weeks. Check out PrepDish.com slash Annie for a keto beginner's menu and to get your first two weeks for free. Again, that's PrepDish.com slash Annie, and your first two weeks are free. This is a no-brainer. You guys are going to love it. Thanks, PrepDish. We think you are awesome. You know, the scripture says to ask, seek, and knock, and kind of like believe that. I think I grew up kind of a more of a quitter than one who perseveres. Mm-hmm. And so I used to like knock one time and then walk away. Uh-huh. Go like, oh, that's yeah, close. Yeah. But what you are, what you model with your running, but what you're also saying in that story is like, I just kept knocking until the Lord went, right. yeah, you've knocked enough. Yeah. <laughs> like you've done it. Like I'm giving you permission to walk away. Yeah. And that seems to be, when I do that, it pays off way more. Yeah. Feels like the Lord does a lot more when I will 
wait until he tells me to walk away right. versus me deciding when he's not going to answer. Right. Yeah. You yeah. got to, you got to keep showing up. And then right. eventually I think he will make it clear to you that yeah. it's, it's time to move on. Um, can we talk about Eric Little? Yeah. Do you yeah, love, I love him? Yeah. I love him. Yeah. That used to be one of my favorite movies growing up. I'd really? watch it before races, chariots of fire. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You'd watch it before races. Yeah, like yeah. here I go. <laughs> this is my dude. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that movie is my dad, he's like, Hey, you got to see this movie when I got into running, you know? And yeah. I remember I fell asleep watching it. Like the first, First, like five times that I watched it, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. it is a little bit slow at points. It's not like action-packed movie, but yeah. um, just grew grew to love that story and, yeah. and love Eric Little and, and yeah. the life that he lived. He was a huge hero of mine. Yeah, yeah. I used to live in Scotland, uh, and we actually I helped. Uh, I was part of a church that met at the Eric Little Center in Edinburgh, mm. and so I learned a lot about him just because I saw his name every day. Right. But one of the things he said about running is it's how he feels God's pleasure. Mm-hmm. Did you experience that? Yeah, for sure. I I think what I experienced is like, it was just easier for me to encounter God when I was running. Mm. You know, being out, I grew up in Big Bear Lake where it's mountainous and beautiful. And so I'd be out on these single track trails all by myself, just weaving throughout the trees and hearing nothing but the wind, no music, no devices. You do no music. Uh, not always, but yeah. some for my easy days, I would. For my hard workouts, I felt like I could get more out of myself when I had music. Yeah. So usually for the hard workouts. Easy I days would. is how many miles? Uh, just make me feel so like a terrible person. we'd usually do between 10 and 15 yeah, yeah, miles. Yeah, yeah, easy yeah. days. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> good, but, good, good. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, that's just, I feel like I just encountered God over and over again. I feel like everything in my mind just like settled and I could hear God yeah. clearly and have a better you know, conversation with him. I feel like I had to like get some of my anxious energy out, you know, because yeah. my mind's kind of like bouncing all over the place if I just sit down and like mm-hmm. start doing a quiet time. Not that I don't do that, but um, that can be more of a challenge for me than when yeah. I'm out running or even now weightlifting. Like I just need to be like physically like doing something. But I think for myself, Certainly, God gave me a gift to run. Um, and so I feel like whenever I was doing that, it's like I was doing what I was created to do, and it became yeah. much easier to hear God in those moments. That's one of the questions I've enjoyed asking people lately, besides how they hear God, is why you think you're on the planet right now. Why That's was this question. the right time for God to have you here? Yeah. I think he has seasons for us, right? And so, like, I felt like I had this season where it was about, like, me discovering who I am in him and discovering how good I can get it, how well I can cultivate this gift that he's given me, you know? And that was a 20-year period of time where, like, that's what I was going after. And, yeah, I had other stuff going on in school and um, my wife and all that stuff. But that was, like, the driving thing behind my days, you know, was trying to figure out how good I could get at this thing. And then now, like, when you're in that, all you feel is, like, this is about, like, me cultivating this, my talent, you know. And then as I got out of that, moved into the next season of my life, I realized that, Yes, I think God had that season for me so that I could have this own, my own personal experience with yeah. going after that. But I more felt that my road was not just about me, you know. And I knew mm-hmm. that right away when I was thirteen. Like after that fifteen mile, really, run, you knew it even then that that wasn't yeah. just about you. Yeah, yeah, that oh was gosh. one. So after that fifteen mile run, I came home. I collapsed in the couch, super tired, you know. And I felt like God was telling me. And again, it wasn't like a voice that I heard or anything like that. It was just like a, a calm, like peace and a thought that felt outside myself. You yeah. know, I felt like He was telling me like one day I'd run with the best guys in the world, but He gave me that gift so I could help other people. Wow. And so you know, I spent the next twenty years going after that and learning. Um, how incredible running can be in touching other people's lives. So that's that's what I learned in that season of life, that all, everything I went through wasn't just for me. It was to share with other people and encourage yeah. people on their journey. And um, that's a big reason, you know, why I wrote this book. You can always say, Annie, I'm not going to answer that. But And so you don't even have to tell me this answer. But I wonder if there are other things you've heard God say to you since then that you haven't seen happen yet. I always wanted to like win a gold medal or set a world record. And I set an American record in the half, but I don't have the world record, you know? So yeah. um, there were things that like I wanted to do. But at the same time, when I was 13, I didn't necessarily feel like God was telling me I was going to be the best guy in the world. I just felt like he was telling me I'd run with them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to answer your question more directly, I'm sure there's been things that 
that I felt like he's told me that I haven't experienced yet, you yeah. know? And I think when he gives us those promises, it's like a seed that is planted, you know, and it takes years and yes. years and years to see some of these promises fulfilled. And I've learned like sometimes I don't see the promises fulfilled in my life, but I'm able to see it fulfilled in someone that I'm serving's life, my wife's life, my kid's life, my friend's life. Yeah. Like, like sometimes you think the promise is for you, but it's actually like you're supposed to help someone else experience mm. that. Okay, yeah, the tree that someone else can sit under. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. I love reminding our friends listening, and for myself, that like you were 13 and it was 20 years or whatever, and or 10 years later. King David, I mean like, you know, he was told as a kid that he would be king. And it was a long time right. until any of that panned out. And there was a lot right. of moments in the middle that had to feel like, there's no way that was God. And so even the endurance you have in running feels like it would pay off in those stories too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you you got to learn patience. And I this is something I have to tell myself like every day now because now that I'm into weightlifting, I want to see results really quick, you know? Yeah. And like, be like, oh, I want to get my, my deadlift over 500 pounds and all this stuff. Yeah. But I've realized what I've learned with running is like things take time and usually more time than I'd like. And I've learned to like just be patient. And in a way that I'm able to do that is just pull myself back into like what I'm doing right now. And, you know, mm -hmm. thus the title of my book, Run the Mile You're In, that was a mantra that I'd pull on all the time because I found that on the starting line of a marathon, I'd be freaking out in my head, you know? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd never know it. You'd see us all calm and collected yeah. on television. But no, I'm like freaking out because I'm thinking about like mile 23, 24, and I know what's ahead. I know like I'm being a world of pain at that point. I'm yeah. Like, like a little nervous, like, am I going to be able to get through this? Can I push myself as hard as I need to push myself? Like I'm starting to have doubts about my training, my fitness, you know, yeah. all this stuff. Like everyone. All that's running through your head when everybody's yeah. just like stretching. Yeah. And yeah. Shaking yeah. out their yeah. arms. And, yeah. yeah. I, I, I used to tell people like my least favorite moment of a marathon was on the starting line, like right before the gun would fire. You know, I was like so nervous, but I'd have to remind myself like, just do a great job with what you're doing right now. Oh, and brilliant. I'm constantly telling myself that even to, to this day, you know, it's yeah. like, be present right here, right now, doing what you're doing. Like, stop worrying about your schedule for the rest of the day and all the stuff you have going on. Like, just run the mile you're in. Yeah. Like, do a great job with what you have because God's given you the grace to get through this moment. But he, he wasn't giving me the grace to get through mile 23 when I was on mile one. Right, you know? right. But when I got to mile 23, the grace was there. Yeah. But I had to, had to just stay present in what I was doing. So seven marathons in seven days and seven continents? Yes. How— I just don't even understand the travel. <laughs> yeah. How'd you do most it? Most people don't. Yeah. So you're like, most people don't get it, Annie. I'll help you. <laughs> so I mean, we, Antarctica? Yeah. So, that's terrible. Yeah. Antarctica. Wait, is that the cover? Of, that's, that's yeah. The cover All shot. of a sudden, I'm like, wait. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you're that running was, in snow. That was my first marathon in Antarctica, first of the seven. So that was. Oh, they start you in Antarctica. Yeah. Because the weather's more volatile there. So you got to make sure you hit a nice day. But yeah. you're on that marathon, you hop on a plane, fly to Chile. Um, we got to sleep for a couple hours in a hotel that night, which was amazing. So we only had two. How many nights. people? Are so doing it's this. like a tour group. It's uh, called the World Marathon Challenge, yeah. and there's probably it's around one I'm not going to join, but I love <laughs> what you're telling me. It, it, it's a uh, it's about thirty runners, you know, and okay. just like normal, like everyday runners. Yeah, it's like it's normal people, like... and then you. They're like, oh gosh, Ryan Hall's here. Yeah, like <laughs> the thing is, I was not in running shape. Like I didn't train for it all, so I'd oh, already you didn't train for it <laughs> <No>. at all. <laughs> well, I, that's insane. My, my longest run leading up to it in the last like three months was eight months. So I did like, I ran like three Ryan. times a week and a little bit, but not, you know, I was Holy doing 26.2 miles every day for seven days yeah, and not really sleeping and a not lot. Sleeping. So you hop on these, uh, luckily we had a private airplane that yeah, was all business yeah. class seats so you can lay down and sleep on the airplane. But that whole week with all the flying we did, I didn't watch one movie. Every single time I was on, every minute I was on that plane, I was either eating or asleep. Like yeah. I was so exhausted, so tired that I just slept and slept and slept on that airplane. Every time we'd start descending, I was like, no, <laughs> just like circle around a little bit before we have to go back down. Okay, Antarctica to Chile. Mm -hmm. And then and Chile to Miami. Okay. Miami to Madrid. Okay. Madrid to Marrakesh. Marrakesh. I don't know to what Marrakesh is. I'm Morocco. Thank you. Yeah. And then uh, 
Marrakesh to Dubai. Uh-huh. And then Dubai to Australia, Sydney, Australia. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that – so you're flying 10 hours sometimes? Yeah, the flights were like – I don't know. Maybe they just felt short, but yeah. <laughs> You're like, Annie, it was 40 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I was right. exhausted. That's what it felt like to me, yeah. They, it actually, like, wasn't as much travel as it yeah. seemed like it should have been. So but. you would land, and then, but only two times you got to sleep in hotels? Yeah, yeah, two nights. We had, like, five or six hours to sleep in the hotel. And the So this times, is, like, not just running seven marathons. This is, like, m- marathon awakeness, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was actually an interesting experience, like doing it at, you know, 170 plus pounds and yeah. not training for it. You know, I kind of got to experience what it's like to like be a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and so actually the interesting thing is I was getting in better shape as the week was going on. So my fastest marathon of the week was day five in Morocco. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was kept getting, I was like 304 or something. So, you know, I didn't even win the challenge. Oh, right. I guess you're running for three hours. You're not, ru- see, when right. I do things of this nature, they take significantly <laughs> longer. But with my, I did a half in three hours. So you're doing a marathon. You're only running for three, only running for three hours. <laughs> yeah. But that feels like a Long, that feels like an hour too much to be for sure. a yeah. Yes, to be sure. It's not short, but the math of it is making more sense to me now yeah. versus 12 hours of running. Right. Got it. Okay. Well, there were people that were running like six-hour marathons, and they were fine. They just had less time. Like, they would, we'd have a Less hope. recovery time. Right. Right. Yeah. And you were like, I got to get through this because I got to rest again before yeah. we get to Dubai. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, on day five in Morocco, I got a stress reaction in my hip. So, I had to run the last two marathons with a stress reaction and that was as you can imagine pretty brutal and painful yeah. a lot of walking involved so my last marathon in sydney took five and a half hours I oh my gosh there and were you time. just like in pain constantly yeah I, and i tried to like i wasn't sure it was a stress reaction until i went home and got an mri and stuff but i, I had a strong suspicion it was because yeah. i've had stress reactions i was about to say when you're an athlete i have a couple of buddies that are professional baseball players oh, nice. and they know their bodies so well because it's a machine that right. to help them do their job. I mean, right. it's their body too, but it is like my left elbow, something is sideways, I can just tell. <laughs> and I would have not known it, you know, but right. y'all professional athletes just know their body so well all the time that you would know yeah. as soon as it happened, I would imagine. Yeah, you're very much in tune, you know. And you're you're always trying to like kind of lie to yourself and be like, oh, I'm gonna be all right. It's not a stress reaction. Yeah. It's something else, you know, but yeah. I, I knew deep down inside it was it was something bad. So, right. Yeah, that last marathon was super long, super painful. But Why didn't you quit? Well, I'd already run five marathons before I got the stress reaction. I was like, I can get out two more marathons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I'm not stopping now. And plus, really? so I was doing the trip, like how I got involved with the trip was I, I've uh, spoke at the Dream Center in Los Angeles. Yeah, of course. I love one? it. Yeah. We have a Dream Center here. In oh, you Nashville. do? Yeah, oh, yeah. nice. Right on. So I know Pastor Matthew. Yeah. And uh, he's the one who told me about the challenge. And then we were corresponding back and forth. And I ended up doing it for yeah. the Dream Center and trying to raise support. Oh, so then you're like, oh, I have to. Yeah. Well, and plus. <laughs> for other people. Yeah, exactly. It's like getting through the pain like we talked about when you're doing it for someone else. It's like it. it draws more out of you than you know is even inside you. But Pastor Matthew is also on the trip with me running all these marathons. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he'd only run, I think, a couple marathons previous to this challenge. So he's – and unfortunately, he got a really bad, like, knee injury. I think he, like, tore some stuff in his knee early on on, like, day, like, three, I think. Oh, wow. And so I was running past him because they're all out and back courses. So you see each other all the Mm -hmm. time. You're, you know, cheering for each other and stuff. But I'd see him just, like, in a world of pain, laboring oh. through marathon after marathon after marathon. And he inspired me so much to endure my own pain in those last couple. I was like, yeah. man, if he can get through the last four marathons with severe pain, like I can yeah. get through a couple. Oh, my gosh. What was your favorite? Was Morocco your favorite one because it was so fast? I like just being in Morocco. I'd never been before yeah. and uh, always wanted to go. And, you know, obviously I was only there for less than 24 hours, so I didn't see a whole lot. Right. But what I did see, I liked. Yeah, and, you're uh, like, these 13 miles that I saw <laughs> twice yeah. were really lovely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my friend Heather, that is, that is my friend that's the runner, was telling me that, explain to me, you're, you have the fastest marathon but it doesn't count right? Yeah, because of the wind. Explain yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. So they have all these rules and regulations about 
courses that are eligible for record purposes. So Boston is not eligible for records. Um, and for good reason, like you're running one direction. So we had a, a nice tailwind that day that really helps significantly. Um, and then also it can't drop in elevation too much. So uh-huh. it drops too much at Boston. Um, so that makes it not not eligible. So it's the fastest marathon ever run by an American, but it's not technically the American record um, because it wasn't run on an eligible course. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but actually, to me, I mean, like, so proud. To me, it, it didn't even matter. You know, like Boston has so much history behind it. I think this yeah. year was like the 123rd or fifth running yeah. of it. And, uh, you know, out of, 125 years that thousands and thousands of people have done this race like that's the fourth fastest time ever run on that course so it's pretty cool yeah i I take you know a lot of satisfaction from that race and more and i wrote about that race in the book what i really loved about it is um that that was kind of the culmination of me learning the like best way to compete is not necessarily to try to beat the people around me because when you think about it that way it's like it's all about comparison, right? It's like, how do you stack up someone else? How's your time compared to theirs? How's your place compared to theirs? And I I spent a lot of time thinking about like, how would Jesus do this sport Mm. if he was me in my shoes, you know? And I just cannot imagine him looking over on the starting line and be like, yeah, I want to be all these guys right now, you know? <laughs> like, that's just not, that doesn't right. seem like him. You know? I will feel so good at the end <laughs> yeah, right. of beating all these other humans. Right, right. right. So, um, and did you just did the Boston Marathon when it just happened, right? Aren't I did not. So, oh, I thought I you was were there. there. I was there. Yeah, okay. my wife was running. So it was her Got first it. Boston. So I was Okay, there. And it I was, was her first one. Yeah, first Boston, yeah. How'd it go yeah. for her? It was a little bit rough. Okay. It wasn't it wasn't quite what we were hoping for. She had some injuries leading up to it. So she was doing it largely off cross training. Yeah. And with Boston, the amount of downhills that you're doing, you know, there's only so much you can do to prepare for that cross training. Like the pounding on the legs yeah. is really, really significant in Boston. So she just didn't have enough work under her, but she she still had a good time and is hungry to get back there when she's had kind of a full traditional yeah. build up. Did y'all meet running? Yeah. Yeah, we met. It's kind of a cool story. So it was our senior year in high school, and it's the California state meet. She's from Santa Rosa, Northern California. It's Big Bear in Southern California. And I knew who she was because, like, everyone knew who she was. She was oh, really? Because she's, like, the— Yeah, she was the first girl to win four state championships. So freshman oh my sophomore gosh, yeah. year. Yeah, in California. So she was a phenomenal runner, you know? And uh, actually, it was my dad who told me about her because he was I trying— I like your dad. He's very <laughs> powerful in your life. <laughs> yeah. So he was telling me this story about how she was in this race where she's trying to qualify for the national championships, just missed out on the spot. And instead of like just leaving and taking off, like she stayed to like cheer on like all the girls at the award ceremony afterwards. My dad's like, you need to listen, like listen to this story. Like she, look what she did, you know? And so anyways, we're at the California state meet. I run and I won the race and some kids come up to me with a paper asking for an autograph and I sign it. I put my favorite Bible verse under it. And then Which late, is what? Uh, at the time is Isaiah 40, 31. Now I go with John 10, 10 is more my Oh, own. okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> like I kind of went New Testament now. <laughs> now that I've retired, I do New Testament. <laughs> I like to switch it up too. Yeah, there you go. That'll time, teach them. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't have a favorite verse, you guys. I'm a great Christian. I have multiple, so don't worry. <laughs> I know the whole thing. So. I know the whole thing. I just pick whichever one I was like meditating on. So, <laughs> so the later on in the day, Sarah runs and those same kids come up with a piece of paper and yeah. um, she she sees my name, the Bible verse. She's like, oh, cool. He's a Christian. Like, I should just reach out just to encourage him or whatever. Yeah. So she found – she got my email from, like, a mutual friend and yeah. um, emailed me out of the blue. I'll this never... is before you could slide into someone's DMs on <laughs> yeah, Instagram. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. We were, this is like the genesis of internet. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> but I remember my mom, she came downstairs one day after school, and she's like, hey, there's an email from Sarah Bay. Was, Bay is her maiden name on the computer for you and like she knew like I I, I kind of had like a halfway crush on her already yeah. at the time like every single guy in California yeah did. um but also for her faith you know I yeah. knew about her faith aspect so I thought my mom was totally just messing with me because yeah. my mom would mess with me like that from time to time I was like haha mom very funny she's like no seriously there is <laughs> tried to like play it cool and like walk up like casually like I wasn't all that yeah you know but uh, I remember reading the email she's like hey I'm Sarah Bay. I'm from Santa Rosa. And like, I was like, you don't need to 
introduce yourself. Yeah, Everyone knows <laughs> I know who you are, who you are <laughs> sister. Yeah. <laughs> but then after that, we just kind of stayed in touch. Both ended up deciding to go to Stanford and ah, okay. then, uh, just hung out a lot at our preseason camp and then started dating first week of freshman year. Dated all the way through college oh and got uh, married. Actually, three we had a three month engagement, so we got engaged Attaboy. right out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We once we dated for a long time, but yeah. once we got engaged, we're like, well, what's you know, right? We don't need to wait anymore. So. Yeah, yeah. So then we we're married three months after graduation, and off and running professionally together. And it's been it's been so fun just going to travel all over the world right. and get to experience so much together and go on this journey. You know, like. I would have never been able to get through the hard moments if it what I didn't have Sarah yeah. by me to encourage yeah. me. So having people around you like that is uh, crucial. Yeah. So she's still running professionally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, this is actually an interesting parallel. So I'm like typical guy. Like when I get a schedule, I'm like, I'm going to do it no matter what. Like yeah. if my leg is coming off, I'm still going to like go try and do this workout, <laughs> right. you know. Whereas Sarah is like very flexible. Like if something's off, she'll just like delay the workout a day. She listens to her body. And yeah. I, I did not do a good job of that throughout my career. So thus I had to retire at 33 when my body's like, no moss. Right, <laughs> right. You were great. You're right. But we're right, done. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And we're done here. <laughs> Whereas my wife, who's listened to her body all these years, um, she just had the best year of her running, you know, minus the Boston Marathon. She yeah. PR'd in the marathon and the half marathon distance, ran 226 a little over a year ago in oh Ottawa. So she's she's come so far and she's just continues to get better and better, even though she's 36 years old. So yeah. she has the Olympic trials a little less than a year out, uh, February 29th in Atlanta. Oh my gosh. And this will be her Oh, man, she's been in every Olympic trial since 2004. Um, it, distances ranging from 1,500 all the way up to, to marathon. So. Oh, my gosh. But she's she... never been on the team. Right. She's been close. She's been really close, like in the final, in the hunt with a lap to go, you know, and then didn't quite have it that last lap. So it would be so cool to see her qualify. And I think she's like maybe number six or seven or something on the U.S. list right now and top three go. Oh so, um, you know, she's right there. She has a great, great chance. Oh, my gosh. All of a sudden, Sarah Hall is everyone's favorite runner on this whole. <laughs> every podcast listener is dying like, please, Sarah. In February, we're going to like be caring about it so much. It's nice. Um, okay. So when you wrote Run the Mile You're In, who were you thinking of when you were writing it? Who Who do you want to read this? I was thinking a lot about my 13-year-old self when I was getting really? into the sport. Yeah. yeah. And not that I wrote it for 13-year-olds, although I think it's a quick read. Like my yeah. my daughter, she read it in like a couple of days and yeah. she's 11, you know. Yeah. So, um, but I was thinking about myself because I remember having this moment where I was out training. It was in the evening time. I was doing some hill sprints on, on some – you know, concrete road, like 200 meter hill sprints, and it was kind of snowing lightly. And I remember yeah. just being filled with this question inside me of like, what is it going to take for me to live this vision that I have for my life to become an Olympian, to run with the best guys in the world? Like, how am I going to do this? Because, mm -hmm. you know, that was before social media. And now, yeah. like, there's so much information, which is great. People can, you know, know what people's experience has been like. But I, I, I wasn't around a lot of people like that and yeah. had no idea. So I had this burning question, what is it going to take? And then, you know, spent the next 20 years figuring out what it does take. And after going on that journey and being able to sit down and reflect on all the stuff that God had taught me, um, I was kind of writing, you know, when I was 13 getting into sport, what, what would I have wanted to know about how to maximize and cultivate my talent to the very best um, that I could? But I think it's applicable for anyone at any season of life, you yeah. know, who just, just wants to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. And uh, all the things I learned, I think people will be able to relate to. The Yeah, just the idea, like when you're describing it of, whatever mile you're in right now, you have the grace for. I just think it doesn't matter. Everyone experiences that. Totally. And everyone needs to know that whether you're in your in your best self and your worst self, wherever you are, you have what it takes to, to be in this. Right. But I like hate when people say God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Like, A, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> and B, it's never been true in my life. Yeah. Right? Like right. seven marathons in seven days, that's like more than a person can handle. <laughs> that's like more than. But like, I think that's true for in a lot of our lives. But I love the idea of, if that is untrue, that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. It is a good reminder that in this mile, in this spot, you have what it takes. Right. Yeah. He right? gives you what you need for right now. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Like, I'm glad in some ways that like I didn't know 
everything that was going to happen down the line, like how fast I'd eventually be able to run. Cause I would have been so discouraged with where I was at at that mm. moment, you know, in all those moments, it took 10, 15 years to, to maximize my potential, my sport, you know, they talk about 10,000 hours and it was yes. like that, you know, it takes <laughs> yeah. a long time to get great at something. Yeah. And if I would have known like how far away I was, it'd have been so discouraging. You know, yeah. I remember the first time I broke five minutes in the mile, that was a big deal to me when I was 13 and yeah. I broke five. I was like, whoa, like that was crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, I ended up averaging 445 per mile at the Boston Marathon in 2011 <laughs> for 26 miles in a row, yeah. you know? So but I'm glad I didn't know that when I was 13 because when I was 13, I'd be like, oh, that's never not going to happen. Yeah, 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 I can't yeah. ever get there. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I'm really excited to be your friend. I think I'm really grateful that you write this stuff down for us, both these books, Running With Joy and Run The Mile You're In. I just think they're helpful for a lot of us. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, tell me where y'all live in real life. Where do y'all live now? So we just moved to Flagstaff, Arizona. Why? Yeah. Uh, for altitude. That was oh, a, a big right. reason. I mean, there's always like multiple factors, yeah. right? Um, we were really sad to leave Reading and Bethel. Yeah. Um, that was really hard because we just we just love that church. Yes. Love being a part of that community. Yeah. Um, but I have family out there and they uh, go to Reading and or go to Bethel and they love yeah, it. Yeah, it's amazing there. So but we still keep in touch with friends and yeah. um still follow closely on iBethel TV yeah. and stuff like that. Don't you know yeah. that? Listen, yeah. there's no better sermon in my ears when I'm out. I like to hike at a place called Radnor Lake. I mean, Eric and Chris Volatin and Bill, I mean, they just are my constant companions. Yeah, yeah they're so great. Yeah. I, I love their they're stuff. They're so great. Have y'all found a church you like in Flagstaff yet? Yeah, we're at Urban Hope, okay. um, which is a really cool church. It's just in downtown Flagstaff, but they have a real heart for ministry for people. So yeah. and we get people coming off the streets, going to our church services and um, just amazing. They have just have amazing heart for loving people. And that's so important for me, like, because – I don't know, things, I get overwhelmed by complexity sometimes. Yeah. And so I have to constantly bring myself back to like, what is the point of my life? Yeah. And, you know, I go to, like to the Bible and to God for that. And the purpose of my life is just to love God and love other people. Like yeah. it's that simple, yeah. you know? So when we're a part of a community that's going after that same thing, like we feel at home. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so for people who are moving, this is a question I get a lot. How do you find a church? How did y'all know? Where you wanted. Yeah. So we went to a lot of different churches and tried on, you know, a lot of different places. And it, it's it's always hard to decide, right? And it's so taxing to go one weekend, right, one weekend, one weekend. Right, yeah. right. So it did take, it took a long time for us yeah. to find one. But when we walked into Urban Hope, like, it just felt like a fit for us, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, you feel kind of bad when you're like shopping churches, you yeah. know? But uh, I mean, you got to You got to try it on, yeah. you know? Yeah, well done. Okay, so the last question we always ask is what sounds fun to you? Because the show's called That Sounds Fun. So what <laughs> sounds fun to you? What do you guys do for fun? So now I've gotten into hiking recently and, okay. and like mountain mountaineering. So I'm a climb rainier with some of my friends this summer and I'm like so stoked on that. Yeah. So that's kind of my other like fun thing I like to do besides the weightlifting. And then obviously, you know, time with the kids and yeah. wife and stuff. So if y'all plan like a fun night at home, what's it look like? Board games. Really? Yeah. Y'all are board game yeah, people. Yeah, we do a lot of board games. We do do um, like Friday nights, like Beth, uh, like worship nights. And so we'll just stream like stuff on YouTube yeah. and blast it on our TV and just Aww. sit there and um, worship and soak, soak in God's yeah, presence. Yeah, just the so, six of y'all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We don't have cable at our house, so that's kind of nice, you know? It's like yeah. we don't just sit down and flip on the television right. ever. Like it was funny. We were at a hotel recently because we are on vacation in Cancun. And, and my daughter's like, how do we pause this? <laughs> Because <laughs> it was just the TV, you know? She, she doesn't even know what cable is. Right. You're like, there's this version of television that just keeps going, and you can't control it. That's awesome. Hey, well, thanks for making time to be on the show. My pleasure. I really appreciate thanks for it. having me. Oh, you guys, how cool, right? Like, I feel like we've never had, like, an athlete come on and just tell us so deeply about their work and their sport and how it relates to faith. I'm just super impressed. I liked Ryan's writing and his story before I met him. I totally love him as a friend now. Like, what a good dude. And are you like me where you're like, Sarah Hall, I just want, I want her to make the Olympic team. I just have these hopes. So we're going to be watching that come February when they have the trials. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of Ryan's book, Run the Mile You're In. It is a great one for someone who's graduating. Maybe you have a teenager who likes to read or maybe doesn't love to read, but would love to learn 
more about Ryan's story, I think it is a great book to pick up. Run the mile you are in. You can also learn more about Ryan at ryanandsarahhall.com. And make sure you follow him on Instagram, Twitter, all the places, and tell him thanks for being on the show. He is Ryan Hall 3 on Instagram and Twitter. So make sure you go follow him. Tell him thanks for being on the show, how much you enjoyed the conversation. Hey, if you need anything from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie, F downs, F for fastest half marathoner. Not me, <laughs> Ryan, but it's a good use of the F. Any F downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places, anywhere you need me, that's how you can find me. And if you have a friend who loves to run or is a cross-country person or would just love to hear more from an Olympic athlete, please share this episode with them. It means so much to me when you guys invite your friends in to listen with us. Either share it on your socials or just text it over to your pals, whatever works for you. And if you get a chance to rate and review the show, that always means so much. You guys are the best. You are the best friends a gal could ask for on this side of the microphone. Today for fun, what do I get to do for fun today? Oh, I get to meet one of my friend's babies who's in town. I haven't met their baby yet. So that is what I'm going to do for fun today. You guys go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And we will see you back here on Thursday, a special Mother's Day episode with Pam Tebow. I think you guys are going to love this one. We'll see you guys on Thursday.